head into the Ringerverse to stay up to date with all things superheroes and nerd culture entertainment. Hosted by a rotating lineup of superfans at the Ringer, including Mallory Rubin and Van Lathan, shows will provide instant reactions to blockbuster releases, insightful backstories on canon, and mind-bending theories, as well as fresh takes on the latest news and rumors. Check out the Ringerverse on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Listeners, welcome. This is Sound Only. I'm Justin Charity. And I'm Mike Peters. We're your Sound Only co-hosts, here to record our deepest, darkest thoughts about the Snyder Cut. Zack Snyder's <laughs> Justice League. <laughs> yeah, nigga. I'm serious. I got money. Yeah, this is like the Snyder Cut was finally released this past weekend in its entirety. It was an odyssey for both of us. And I think that we have a lot of thoughts about it, you know? We do. Also, I want to say, last week, we covered Attack on Titan. I want to say, this is going to be a second consecutive week of general positivity for me personally. Yeah, I, it's, it's really, for me. It's, it's, it's unheard of, yeah. you know? Also, I would like to do a little bit of housekeeping because I did say it was the 13 and it was actually the nine Titans. Uh, but I think... I kind of made up for it by naming eight of them off the top of my head without Googling it. So, yeah, um, I'd also like to, I'd like to check you on the whole thing about like, what does, you know, Aaron have to be so sad about, about, you know, like he's got abs. It's just kind of like, quit trying to inval- invalidate hot people's feelings. Now we can move on. What? Okay. I want to say, maybe we can, we can cut out a corner at the end of this episode. Maybe we will, maybe we won't. That's a cliffhanger for you, listener, at the very top for the people who last week wanted to hear more about sort of like the politics of Attack on Titan. We can do right, a solid, right, 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 intense right. five minutes at the end of this episode where we sort of tie up some loose ends from our conversation about Attack on Titan. For now, however, we are talking about the movie of the week, the movie of the year, frankly, in terms <laughs> of just the hype. Fanfare. Uh, right. The, you know... The Snyder Cut. I was fucking with it. Let's just get our sort of general sentiments on the table first. 
Yeah, I like okay. So I would it be more would it be better for us to go back to 2017 when the original Justice League came out? Yeah. And absolutely. talk about like what our reactions were to the original. Well, my reaction to it was I ain't watch it. I I saw all y'all ag- all the DC fanboys, and I'm sorry to call y'all that. I saw the agony and ecstasy, but mostly agony about the original Justice League. And my thought was, oh, I'm not touching this. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, I I carried personal feelings about The Dark Knight Returns, you know, parts one, two, and three into it because I really like the showdown in Crime Alley. It's like one of my favorite things when Batman whoops Superman's ass. So it's just kind okay. of like, listen, you know, this wasn't about anything other than to, you know, make sure that you knew to stay out of our way, <laughs> which is like... Yeah. Yeah, you know, I and I really like, and it's just like Ben Affleck just did not have that energy, like in Batman versus Superman. You know, it's just kind of oh, like a that's bunch a of, movie we're gonna talk a lot about. I will say because as much as I I didn't want to touch the original Justice League with the ten foot. Oh, pole when sorry, it came out. you know, I did, I did, you know, I went back to Batman v Superman and talking about Justice League. Justice League, um. Uh, I think like the reaction to it was just that it was just like a CGI fest um which i mean like all these superhero movies are but like they were just really hilarious things like the entire downtown area of metropolis being conveniently empty because like the stock bells that are like you know like the business had closed in downtown at 5 30 so there's no civilians <laughs> uh when when superman and batman go to or whoever go to face the big doom monster thingy um but yeah, I mean, like, I don't know. Justice League was just kind of all over the place. Cause... Wait, I think the CGI, fe- that came through in the trailers, but is I feel like the general sentiment, too, is that that movie is just broadly swaggerless. Like, it just it doesn't have a good style to it at all. Because it was, like, balancing, like, Zack Snyder's, like, whole serious leather bangle you know sports <laughs> documentary like you know superhero 300 shit versus like joss whedon who was just kind of like isn't it funny that sometimes we spill coffee on our capes like you know it was it just didn't really add up <laughs> it's i mean but you get what i'm saying no i like, do and so did moviegoers at the time, apparently. Yeah. yeah no, I think I, my I favorite tweet about the about Justice League when it came out was probably like Seth Collins calling attention to Aquaman's Trident, which has five frogs on it, which makes yeah. it more extreme, but not a trident. That's real. The essence That's of the Snyderverse. Yeah. Yeah. And it, so I had when when the original Justice League came out, I had no interest. I'm already sort of, you know, my general antipathy toward the comic book movie stuff, but especially Justice League. It just seemed like, yeah, you could you could skip this one. And yet and yet. Right. The sort of paradox with all this is that. Justice League. Snyder cut Zack Snyder's Justice League. Is this movie again Right. This movie that people didn't like the first time around, except this is like the most anticipated thing since, I don't know, Black Panther. Like this movie just seems the director's cut of Justice League, somehow the hottest movie in the streets at this moment. Yeah. Why? Why, though? It's so weird. I think it's ultimately justified, but it's sure. Yeah. But I think it was also like, hmm. You know how 
the last hour of Rogue One is like saving Private Ryan, and it's like yeah. fucking metal, and it's an incredible like. And the rest of it is just kind of like they gave Jen Erso these boring motivations about you know I got to do this for my dad instead of like I'm gonna blow yep. this shit up because like you know being alive is terrible and I need to do something for future generations. Um, but like it was because they had so many cooks in the kitchen. Like there was Tony Gilroy, there was Ron Howard, there was, I mean, I'm sure George Lucas was in there. And it's like the same thing with Justice League because it's just kind of all over the place. So there was a sensation of like, where's the rest of it? Cause like, it just feels like there's gaps here, <laughs> um, narratively, stylistically. And there were like a bunch of interviews after the movie came out where, you know, like Snyder was defending his, his art and people were just like, yeah, um, you know, <laughs> they were and making they the sound a, that you make routinely on this podcast. Is that what they're saying? Yeah, it was, they, they basically, it was, it was, it was. So, so therefore hashtag release the Snyder cut became like a thing. Rob Harvilla I think is the resident like ringer expert on hashtag yeah. release the Snyder Cut. Yeah. But I mean, like, it's just one of these such like, you know, distinctly internet things that is like impenetrable to people that are not on Twitter <laughs> almost. Well, it's not even just impenetrable, it's it's unprecedented in a way that almost seems underrated. It reminds me of the GameStop stuff right because it's it's i'll put it to you like this i have never in my life right gone to let's say a movie theater on the release week of a movie coming out and been and been disappointed by the movie that i just saw in the theater and come out of that theater going i want to see that movie again but i want them to fix it i didn't come out of syriana in 2007 Clearly. and say, I want to see the Rumsfeld cut. Give me the Rumsfeld cut of Syriana. Well, I just said, Charity. oh, that movie sucked. I got to move on with my life. That's the sort well, of miraculous thing about the Snyder cut. They well, really Charity. Well, Charity. Clearly, you are not a golfer. That is that is my <laughs> response to that. It's like you. It's elaborate. Like you, it's, elaborate. It is. It's the thing is, is that it has no meaning. There is no reason for anybody to be so upset or so on pins and needles for this, I mean, like, supercut of a movie that nobody really fucked with in the first place. <laughs> it's something to do. And therefore, it is something to talk about and something to commune around, which is like, you know, like how we came to both watch it this past weekend and while we're now talking about it on this podcast. Exactly. You know what? Why, I don't even know why. I don't even know why I asked. You're right. Because that is how the internet has worked for time. It was Memorial. a bad joke that the internet and the film industry threatened each other with, and now we have it. Like, that is basically what happened. I, too, am America. That's true. That's real. So, I think that what we should establish up top is that the only people that are carrying, um, I guess, character history within these films into, into Justice League are Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman, who all like kind of have their own individual things that leaves us with cyborg and the flash to round everything out. And the movie is really about like getting these people together to stop an existential threat, yeah. like creating the ensemble that we're going to have for theoretically the next couple of DC films. Right. Um, yeah. 
I mean, like, should I be more specific? I mean, no, it's just like you you use the word ensemble, and this movie really lives and lives or dies by its ensemble. And yes, what I think we'll end up talking about with this episode of Sound Only is why I think that ensemble works, right? And how I contrast that ensemble with the ensemble of the Marvel movies, right? Which I think a lot mm. of people do, but you know, I'm coming at this from a hater's perspective in general, but I, I really like the ensemble in this movie. Coming to live with the, you know, the, it's, you always gotta like bristle up before the, it's just a, you know, it's, we have some observations about uh, these remove these, these two movies that we may have been slightly hard on the first time we pass them, or I was slightly hard on them the first time that I passed around. You, yeah. again, had not seen it. Correct. We will now get into it. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, Visit JiffyLube.com. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes has arrived in IMAX. What a wonderful day! This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. They stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. So, to to basically recap a little bit here. Justice League is attempting to do what the first Avengers movie did, which is establish that there is an intergalactic, trans-dimensional being that is totally going to fuck Earth shit up in one to three movies, possibly 10 years. It's about setting up Doomsday as the primary villain, the big bad of the DC universe. And I mean, like, it's there's a lot of parallels uh, because there's a lot of cross-pollination between DC and Marvel when these stories were being made. In fact, the entire new God's arc was uh, the creation of Jack Kirby, who at Marvel was just kind of like, let's take these characters to space. And they like didn't want to do that. So he went to DC and did it anyway. But uh, what you have essentially are 
three MacGuffins, the mother boxes that, you know, adjoin to form one mother box, which then brings forth untold destruction from galaxies away, um, bringing forth apocalypse on Earth, which is spelled A-P-O. It's like it's it's apocalypse is a pla- is like a is a war machine planet. Uh, on which Doomsday lives and like all of his, you know, parademons or whatever, the flying people with red goggles and pitchforks. Yes. Um, so there are parademons trickling out of transdimensional rifts and Batman is investigating all of this and realizing that he needs some people that, you know, are more than just rich and, you know, like, have actual superpowers, uh, puts together a team. And the team is Wonder Woman, um, his could-be, would-be flame. Uh, She's too good for him. Superman, uh, who's dead at this point. Uh, And Aquaman and The Flash and Cyborg. Cyborg, who I think we were texting about how the way that this character is introduced to the movie is like an AI co- a commercial with a common voiceover about AI. Like there's so many scenes of like the, the a lot of the scenes that were cut out of the original movie are of like Victor Stone just kind of walking in this uh digitized version of like I mean basically it's it's like him being in the computer like in Zoolander Right Tron. but you you made it sound like it's he's cutting a community college commercial he, he, and the thing is that like does it's like Victor Stone is wearing his his letterman jacket his washed out Levi's and his work boots talking about all you do is sit on the couch and smoke strebo all day you might as well go to Evergreen and get your degree <laughs> Oh no Real. Sorry. Real. The thing that I said is that I texted you and I said it looks like a DeVry University commercial. But yeah. it also looks like it's just such a weird visual grammar like to this movie because it also looks like army recruitment commercials. Yeah. Yeah. Um but you talked uh, about but you talked about demons though. You talked about the, the team is put together to fight demons. Right, Can we talk right, about the right, main right, villains right, though, right. like the the leaders, the people the in charge. The leaders are um, okay, so there's Doomsday, who is like, I mean, like, I'm, I'm assuming everybody listening to this podcast is, knows who Thanos is. Same sort of deal. Like, yeah. big, uh, you know, midnight purple, likes to kill people for fun, kind of unstoppable, uh, represents the paroxysm of force. There is then Granny Goodness, who... Is kind of like his. She doesn't have any speaking parts of the movies, but she's like the the gray haired, the white haired white lady standing next to him, who basically takes uh, refugees slash prisoners of war from conquered planets and brainwashes them into being soldiers. And then there's Steppenwolf, which is the main villain that like most of the characters in Justice League spend the movie fighting. And he's styled like the destroyer from like the first Thor movie. Like he's got like really cool silvery armor that moves around as a, and is affixed to him in a very strange and like, you know, sort of bioorganic manner. And he looks like a xenomorph. In fact, all of the villains in this movie look like a xenomorph. I had um, a different reaction. I thought that they all looked like 
enemies from Doom. Yes, like from okay. one of the so Doom games. I'm they saying all look like- I was pulling up Xenomorph because I mean like stock kind of cartilagey, sinewy, eight foot monsters without distinct facial features, which I mean, uh, Thanos at the end of the first, I don't know if it was the first Iron Man movie or the second one, I can't remember. But, I mean, like, he was just eyes and a darkened face and a helmet for maybe 10 years. And then they got Josh Brolin to do the mocap. So maybe Doomsday, by the time that he's actually in a movie, will have, like, I mean, like, he'll have to have a character actor, right? Maybe that's, like, something that DC will have to do. Because the villains are just so boring, despite being imposing. Yeah, it is the one thing about Snyder Cut that I didn't. Yeah, I just I, every time I looked at Steppenwolf, I was just like, "You look like a Doom Two character." I've that you know, pass. I've seen this before. All these flying bug people, y'all are from the bug planet that Christopher Lee was on in Attack of the Clones. I've seen this before, <laughs> uh, but I am definitely here for the ensemble in. Snyder Cut. And I think now I would like to talk a bit. Well, actually, I would like to raise a point of order. So, sure. You said, so originally, right, for the original version of this movie, it's Whedon. They get Whedon, who already did Avengers for Marvel. Then you got mm-hmm. DC being like, we need to bring Joss Whedon in here to save us because DC movies ain't working out. And then the what you're illustrating, sort of the parallels between the structure of the sort of world-ending doomsday plot of, you know, the DC ensemble universe, right? Of the Justice mm-hmm. League. Why Why would they let these movies get painted into a corner where it looks like they're just playing Mr. Me Too, Mr. Runner Up to the Avengers movies? Like, it seems so blatant. Why, like, why is that what's going on? Um... Insofar that there is an answer, I think the short one is money. Like there's it's a like it's a booming market that you could participate in because you have intellectual property. But they can't do it in a way that doesn't make them look as pathetic as just being like, damn, we need sure, to just I basically mean, make like, a copy honestly, of the Honestly, that is that is like the air of like DC movies has been of like iPhone competitors that like need to show like a version <laughs> of the iPhone and every yeah. commercial to be like, you know, you're better with the Samsung. Like it's <laughs> there's I like, I, <laughs> but you get what I'm saying. It's just like yeah. if you got to be an iPhone killer, then the iPhone is still king. Like the and there is a sensation of that when watching like Justice League movies, but I think that we also talked about how like there's an inkling of like maybe these can be their own thing. Yes, yes, they can be. You but know? that's on the it's not on the strength of the villains. That's all I'm trying to say. It's not on the yeah, strength, of the, not on the strength of the villains or their plans because they just start doing generic shit. But but I think that and like you know what when you were texting me about how you uh you thought that this like the Snyder cut is more like or characteristic of like the, the the comic book movies that you would watch more of and i thought that that was also that made a lot of sense given that like how much you like the net the, the the netflix marvel shows because they're also like panelly and that's what this movie is like there elaborate is, on that elaborate on that, on that a bit so these movies like infinity war endgame justice league are all like, you know, build marketed as, as like ambitious crossover events and crossover events in comics are just exactly what they sound like 
worlds colliding so that we can raise awareness in readers that may not be into these separate titles that these uh these characters have relationships together and you know maybe you should check out these other things maybe you should check out Guardians of the Galaxy maybe you should check out Thor on his own maybe you should but like the there's a like I think the thing that I thought that I really liked about Infinity War and Endgame is like how they felt like comic books, like that feeling of worlds colliding with each other. But, you know, I think that probably after watching the Snyder Cut, I was feeling that maybe like the Marvel movies do a good job of affixing these worlds to each other with musical cues. And and the DC movies actually make attempts to illustrate what it would be like when these worlds collide because like the narcissism that it takes to put on spandex and be like, I am going to personally change the world would probably lead you to have some character flaws that would really brim up to the surface when you brush arms with other people who do the same thing. And I feel like you and like what we were talking about is that justice league does a slightly better job of acknowledging that. Yeah. And even down to the word collision. Right. Like that's such a physical, violent word. That's a thing Zack Snyder can do. And watching Justice League and seeing the the palpable thing to me and the thing that made me think, yes, more of this. Yes, Anakin. Good, Anakin. Good. (laughs) Is the fact that you watch this movie. And I felt the same way, obviously, watching Batman versus Superman. But there it's sort of obvious in the Batman versus Superman concept. But it's really in, in. Snyder Cut. These characters don't even like each other. They don't even really fuck with each other. In so much as you have Batman, Wonder Woman, Flash, Cyborg, you know, Aquaman. These characters, like I think... You know what it is? You know what it is? Is that at no point is it like camaraderie, like if if we're together we could do this. It's more so like they keep working with each other until they feel a personal responsibility towards each other. Like, Yeah, and, it, and it's also that the thing that brings them together initially is so rough and so urgent, and it's just a, it's a sheer sense of, of contingency. Um, and I think that's the thing that really does sell, even though I think the actual explanation of the mother boxes and all of that it just seems kind of contrived you buy it because everything in the movie looks so dark it like these movies i think i think the dc movies get dismissed a lot of the time as like oh they're trying to be edgelordy right and i think Mm, on some level that's true but i think what's really happening is it's not about batman being a dirtbag you know it's not about ben affleck batman being a dirtbag it's more so about these these characters are just if you had the kind of power they had you would want to go it alone and the fact that things are so bad that you you can't really go it alone and you got to work with Ben Affleck like you would be kind of annoyed like realistically yeah. you would be kind of a dick about it and yes. these characters and also, are really if you good are, at communicating if, that and like and also if you are you know Ben Affleck Bruce Wayne's Batman and have you know just been doing your own thing for yeah. you know going for 50 years and you know your you know self-worth of your genius complex is wrapped up in being able to get from point A to B on your own 
Yeah. Like it would make you a sad and kind of depressive person, which Ben Affleck is throughout these movies. There's a, I think probably watching the Snyder cut move, like made me like having more space to watch these, these, these characters interact, like these actors interact. Like you can kind of see in it that like, they don't even like acting together, (laughs) like, which is what makes the movie like better, you know? Yes, I agree. It does make the movie better. And it makes it feel, I think, Every now and again, you'll read people make this comparison, right, between modern comic book mythology and, you know, Greek or Norse gods. And it's just like, yeah, but if you the problem, if you're looking at that from the Marvel perspective, is that that would only be true if in all the Greek myths, all the all the gods were friends and they had like quips and one liners and shit. Like realistically what it is, is like lots of dark grim. Yes. Sedition, palace, intrigue, tawdry drama, people. It's all really pissy. Yeah. yeah, It's really, it's, it's really like, you know, um, like a Saturday to sun where I mean, like where it's like, it's supposed to be like, (laughs) <laughs> gross and conflicted you know yeah these people are kind of like supposed to be like to i guess to regular human which is like why, why why lex Luthor is like such a compelling character like kind of repulsive kind of an intrusion but you need them yes yeah yes there is that sense of but you need them i think the dc movies are much better just communicating that idea that these people are all here and they're all working together out of sheer necessity. And if they had any other choice, they would fuck off and do literally anything else. And I think that that's good. And I think that's what the <laughs> Snyder Cut really just nails is the sense of like, the, obviously the exception to it interpersonally is the Flash, right? The Flash is almost the joke of his character is that he he thinks he's in a Marvel movie. And it's just every single shot of the Flash making some stupid... He's like a newcomer. And every time he makes some quip and they cut to Cyborg and Cyborg just rolls his eyes and is like, this... He thinks Joss Whedon is still in charge. And oh my God, get me out of this movie as soon as possible. Because this is the Snyder Cut. Yeah. That's I mean, like it is kind of like a lot of meeting his giddy excitement about being part of a team with like exhaustion. <laughs> yeah. Um, Whereas, like, I, I think that that's also like another thing that illustrates the difference between the DC and the Marvel dynamics is that like there's a there's a palpable sense of the characters in Civil War or you know in Infinity War of like them being like they're them having spent time around a water cooler and they're all hazing Peter Parker together, you know? Yeah, like, this is yeah. A, like it's a rite of passage. And well, even th- but think of, think of that like Civil War that even on the Marvel side of things, right? Civil War is a movie where baked right into the premise is the idea of like, okay, well, you're introducing open conflict among these superheroes. And even then, even when you have the moment of Hawkeye and Black Widow fighting on the pavement, you know, they make room for that quip of like, we're still friends, right? (laughs) You know? (laughs) Like, that's the thing that makes it to me. It's just like, uh, y'all just play fight. Y'all play cousins. Yeah. And then like they have the big thing where it's just kind of like, let's cripple the 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 robot man. (laughs) Like to make sure that everybody (laughs) understands that this is serious. Yes. Yeah. I don't know. I just I really like the anti-social I thrive on negativity quality of this (laughs) master. I thrive off negativity. Uh can we also talk about Yeah, it was a tragedy. What was the question? (laughs) (laughs) Um 
I think, like, okay, can we talk a bit about, because we're not going to go through the whole movie beat by beat. I just want us to talk about the things that come to mind. And I thought a lot about, (laughs) yo, when they finally reanimate Superman, right? And Superman, first of all, Harry Cavill with his, that, his, his smugness and his face, and it's deliberate. I'm not, I'm not, like, great performance. Because the way, before Superman says anything, just the sheer contempt that he <laughs> relates with his face for everyone on screen right the sense of what he just he he his facial expression is like fuck you money i guess <laughs> uh um, yeah and it's like that whole encounter slacks yeah the, the 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 flooded funeral home slacks the thing is that like it's it's it is such a strange fugue state superman is a really strange encounter like, yeah, explain explain this part of the movie real quick. So, by the end of Batman v Superman, Superman has obviously died. Recalling Superman Doomsday, when it's just kind of like everybody's just like Superman has to go up and fix the sun. He'll be back later after you know, like he disintegrates, and you know, like there's there are parades, there is a monument, there is there's a monument in, in like the center of the biggest park in the city, and there are news segments and the world is in mourning still um doomsday is coming so they're just like let's bring this dude back from the dead because we have the technology we can rebuild him and they take the mother box and they take him back to his you know uh kryptonian ship and i refuse to explain all of the science of it but what they need yeah. to do is have the cube drop into the amniotic fluid that superman is floating in and at that exact moment Flash needs to be going at the speed of light and he needs to touch the box in order to bring Superman back to life. Um, This happens and Superman comes back to life as basically just totally tabula rasa. Like the only thing he remembers is that like uh, the guy with the salt and pepper slick back, it's on site with him. And all of these friends of his, (laughs) all of these friends of his are just in the way. Yeah. Um, I mean, like, I think that you have more comments, like, to make about, like, the actual fighting. It's because just it is that, that, yeah. The very weird. Well, that's it. So you've described this movie as panelly. And yet, to me, I the visual style of this movie is so devil may cry. You know what I mean? And it does feel like it, like it's a cutscene, like these, it's a series of cutscene for screen, like proceeding a loading screen where there are like best tips on how to score an S rating on the next mission. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's the thing the encounter, the Wonder Woman, Aquaman, Flash, Batman fight versus Superman, when Superman, you know, is reanimated, isn't quite up to speed on what's going on. It, that, the vibe of that fight is so distinctly that oh. of a bullshit boss fight, a bullshit impossible boss fight in a video game where it's just like Superman has mad invincibility frames. He's plus six on block. Uh, he has an instant kill move that wipes the whole party if you go longer than 50 turns. His move set, best move set in the game. You can't you can't land a hit on him. 
You literally rage quit the game and decide to to try it again next weekend. He he's very his vibe is very frustrating because I don't know about all th- the stuff he just said, but pers- like you know, dropping it and being like, "I'm gonna try this again next weekend when I've calmed down to something." That yeah, I've when been, I've calmed like, I'm very down, very familiar with. Yes, yeah, it's not just that like, oh, this is a, a cool fight sequence. It's more like his arrogance and his contempt. And, Somebody and the, needs to smack him in the face. That's yeah, the, the thing is that yeah, like you are feeling that the entire time that it's happening. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And it's when he like, shows up to save everybody at the end of the movie, it's annoying as hell too. Like super. But I think it's also just like you know. I think I just am annoyed in general by the idea of Superman. Why? Why? Explain. It. Um. I mean, like, at least the way that he's re- he's represented in film is just like there's never any like they don't do a good job of illustrating the stakes of what the stakes are for Superman. Um, Like say they did in the animated justice league where he regularly has to contend with like, you know, I wake up every day feeling like I live in a world of cardboard and like only occasionally does he have the rare opportunity to cut loose. Like being the most powerful being on the planet, possibly in the galaxy and you're powered by sunlight and you can take nuclear bombs to the face. I mean, the interesting thing about that is like, what is what is your emotional state like? And there's plenty of that to be explored in, you know, being dead and coming back to life. But it's just kind of like he puts on his mom's flannel and he's just kind of like, I used to love home. And then he just comes back, same as ever, wearing a darker suit. Yes, I will concede that movies, certainly the, the modern DC movies, I, I don't, I, I can't watch them with any expectation of of. I mean, like it's not feeling compelled about the interiority of Superman, right? Like you know, I, there's I, I'm not saying that I. This is me, you know, judging the movie for what it's not. Like I mean, obviously I enjoy, but like I'm saying that if you want to make a more interesting or a good Superman movie, that's the thing to do. Yes, but I I will say part part of why, like look. Apart from the fact that Snyder Cut is just the biggest thing going on in pop culture right now, right? Like one of the reasons we're talking about this is because you and I used to talk about how like I didn't watch Batman versus Superman when it came out in theaters. I watched it a couple years later when I was on a flight back from Hong Kong, right? I watched it on a flight. I watched it knowing that everyone I know immediately, all the film critics I know hated that movie when it came out. They all made the same complaints. The the Martha thing, the oh, it opens with another, you know, depiction of Bruce Wayne's parents being murdered, all that stuff. People hated the movie. Then I, I was on this flight from Hong Kong and I watched it. And I got to the end of Batman v Superman. I was like, that was pretty tight. To the point <laughs> that when I got to the end of the movie, right? I'm still not even halfway through this flight. And I'm like, what's the next movie I'm gonna watch? And I put the movie on again. I've wow. seen Batman v Superman wow. twice, and it was wow. I, it was back to back. Wow, you wild! It was you crazy back to back. <laughs> you wow, you crazy as hell. Okay, so the thing the, is the style though, but but let's. I mean, seriously though, and it's not. It's certainly not because I think that Batman v Superman does a good job at all on any plot level or on any sort of. I mean, maybe with Batman, but certainly not with the characterization of Superman. To me, the thing I liked about Batman v Superman was 
oh, for all the complaints about various things, I think... So, for instance, the Bruce's parents getting killed in the beginning of the movie, the mm-hmm. origin story we all know because we've heard it over and over again, right? Like, uh-huh. I like that Batman v Superman does that scene. Like, it's the like it's a Bond movie intro. Yeah, right? like yeah, it's stylized yeah. The, the, the like it's a Bond movie intro. I was like, that's actually dropping tight. into the puddle. Yeah, I mean, like, it's very... it's. Like, I mean, like, it is an R-Tour's take on, like, you know, uh, um, Bruce becoming an orphan. Uh, yeah. Like, I mean, like, it is, I, like, it's just, again, it came at a time of, like, superhero fatigue. Um, and, I mean, I think that there was probably also an element of just kind of, like, expecting too much from, like, what is essentially putting undue expectations on a movie about comic book heroes. Where it's just kind of like there is kind of a certain level of nonsense that you just kind of have to brook in order to watch these movies. Yeah. Um, uh, like a certain uh, willing suspension of disbelief that ultimately you can't have if you're coming to it with a critical lens of this needs to be like a character drama, like a good character drama. Yeah, but I, but, but I will say that. You got to earn suspension of disbelief, right? So to you me, do. Batman, Batman versus Superman or like Batman v Superman, that movie just didn't make sense to me. And then I think Snyder Cut on a plot level is actually pretty straightforward, right? It's just three yeah. boxes. You got to do the thing to do the thing to stop the thing, right? Sensible in the case of Snyder Cut. But both of those, like the way to me they earn disbelief is that they, they just do a lot of outrageous stylistic stuff. That is maybe distasteful sometimes, is maybe just too over the top. But to me, it's almost like the the classic principle that you and I come back to time and again on this podcast, which is dumb anime shit, right? Yep. I think both Batman v Superman and Snyder Cut, they commit to doing dumb anime shit to a level that whether I either can't follow the movie like with Batman v Superman or whether I think the plot is too kind of basic B. In the case of Snyder Cut, it doesn't matter because on the higher level, they've committed to the dumb anime shit. And so when I go back, right, and and try to watch Marvel, you know, Captain America Civil War, that's a movie where it's just like the stuff that's going on in that movie on a stylistic level is so mundane, you know? It's so... yeah. I feel like I'm on a movie set there is and everything's a, there too is a, sensible. Exactly. There is a... There's like a... You know, it's... What the perfect way to describe that feeling is by describing the undercover Marvel outfit, which is always a flex fit baseball cap, aviators, and a brown (laughs) racing leather jacket. Yeah. (laughs) And everything looks like it was filmed like in an office park in Georgia. Yeah. Like it's It's it's, too sensible. It's It's too sensible. Yeah. 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 Um, and so even and, when I we even when I watch Civil War and I think, oh, I like certain like I I like when Spider-Man throws the car at Bucky. Right. I can think of individual things that I like, but do I ever feel fully immersed into a Marvel movie the way that I felt like I could get immersed into Batman versus Superman or into Snyder Cut? Not really. Even even Black Panther, it's just everything is too sensible, even though you're talking about like secret tech 
African <laughs> kingdom. <laughs> it's just too sensible. It's just kind of like, oh, uh, we couldn't figure out how to take the mindset out of Vision's head because like, you know, all of the synapses work individually and they're just kind of like, why didn't you just program the synapses to work collectively? And it's just like, <laughs> it's delivered with su- like so smoothly and like with such like, you know, duh. <laughs> I mean, like, you're just kind of like, yeah, you know, Bruce Banner and Tony Stark is dumb as hell. You go ahead and do your thing. But also, that is never going to match the whole... Mind the entire conversation explanation in of the mother of the mother box of yes! like what the mother box you know is capable is. of doing. Yep. Yes, yep. because it the is house. there is there is a scene where there's oh where where the gang is all gathered and they're transitioning to the next safe house clothes of you know black thermal shirts and cargo pants sitting around <laughs> like the like the mother box cube. And they are just kind of like theorizing, well, you know, not theorizing. They're just, you know, it's a bunch of ex- expositional dialogue about what the mother box is and does, but they do it like they're explaining it to you like you're five. Yes. <laughs> and it's like the, the cube is in the center underneath a, a swinging halogen light and the camera's revolving and they're all saying things about just like, you know. The house burns down. The, the, the particles the, like, of the house. Know, the the horse, particles of the smoke. <laughs> It's just kind of like anybody with a match can burn down a house. And it's just kind of like, but when a house burns down, the particles of the house become particles of smoke. And it's just kind of like, well, if you have a mother box, you can turn smoke back into a house. Dramatic pause. It was like, it was honestly- It was the best moment in the movie. <laughs> I was, it's the, it's far and away the best moment in the movie. And I was pissing myself at laughter. It was like, because it's just like, <laughs> this eureka moment is it like commits to the, the bit it commits, it commits to the dumb to the animation of turning smoke back into a house that's the explanation of what's happening why not it's eyes, a beautiful movie <laughs> it's it's yeah it's really something else so now that we finally have have glimpsed with our own eyes the snyder cut with mine own eyes um, there have, I mean, like, been calls for, I guess, like, a, a, a groundswell of support for the release of director's cuts of other kind of critically panned DC movies. Have you seen this? I, there was, I, ha- I don't know. So man. there was like, a, there was a, okay, so there was <laughs> there's hashtag too, too far. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, okay, so same way that there was a hashtag release Snyder Cut, I opened Twitter on my laptop. Um, because I deleted it off my phone. Please clap. And saw in the trending topics that there was hashtag release the 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 air cut of Suicide Squad. Did you see Suicide Squad? Nope, absolutely not. Okay, so yo, can I tell you what I did see? What? I did see in theaters pre-release. I saw this with Vulture film critic. Allison Wilmore. I will never forget this, seeing this in theaters. I saw that Fantastic Four movie with Michael B. Jordan. And Miles Teller? Yeah. Are we getting the Josh Trank cut of Fantastic Four? Because that's a movie that, if you want to fix a movie, by all means, have at it. Um... Yeah, I don't know. You know, it's just one of those things that's like on the internet and you can do it if you, you participate if you want. I personally, you know... Um, 
Sure. I'm, I'd, I'd be fine with more footage of Will Smith as Deadshot and, and Giuseppe Zanotti sneakers, you know, popping off head snots. But um, I could also live without it because Carlos the Jackal is streaming on the Criterion channel in its entirety. Um, and that is a thing that you could do. I mean, apart from the director cut stuff, though, right? Like, what what is going to happen? Okay, you have the original Justice League, that flop. You have Snyder Cut, which there's a lot of excitement about. So what, where does DC go next just in terms of this specific narrative? Like, what is the next movie in this sequence after Snyder Cut? Um, judging, okay, so you know the epilogue uh, sequence with, uh, like, where the, the nightmare sequence where Batman yeah. is... Joker... First, let, okay, actually, no, sidebar. Mm-hmm. There's an epilogue sequence at the end of Snyder Cut involving the Joker, involving Jared Leto's Joker. I would, I want to say, and Deathstroke, and Deathstroke. But I just, for the record, one thing I hated about Batman v Superman, and that I don't like about this movie, even though he's barely in it, is fucking Lex Luthor, and then also Jared Leto's Joker. So Jesse Eisenberg's Lex, Lex Luthor is horrible. I say this as a have you ever seen the Kevin fanatic. Spacey. Have you ever seen the Kevin Spacey Lex Luthor? Unfortunately, yes. it's pretty good. <laughs> um, but yeah, the uh, but yes, it is like the uh, it's. I mean, I can't. I know stand I was. I, I know that Luther. I was saying the whole thing about how we're deprioritizing hot people's feelings and like not letting them. And we're oppressing hot people, but like Jared Leto is honestly too hot to be like a character. But like it's just like it's a, it's gentrifying the character actor role. <laughs> yeah, gentrifying is because the way. His face is too pretty, and his hair is... They make his hair too pretty. It doesn't make any sense. I mean, like, he's he stepped off of a 30 Seconds to Mars video shoot, put on a SWAT tech vest, painted some shit on his face, and was just kind of like, what's up? Um, let's let's go ahead and, and needle our... Um, the the amity of our, of our, you know, multi-decade relationship, Batman. Right, and then I... Eisenberg can't hang. Anyway, I'll give Eisenberg. We can set aside Lex Luthor because he's barely in this. But we're talking about Leto and Joker because of the epilogue. Explain that. Right. The epilogue is the nightmare sequence where Batman is basically having the same thing that happened to like Tony Stark, where he's just kind of like, we need a suit of armor around the world because Thanos is coming. And he has like, you know, a vision of. America, the world, I, I have no idea, as like a desolate wasteland, um, high, highways leading to nowhere, dust as far as the eye can see, and he's left alone, alive, with all of the people he hates most in the world. <laughs> and they have to band together to stop this existential threat, which is Darkseid, who has taken over whatever, or Earth, I guess, the planet that they're living on. Um, so, like... <sighs> I am not like super well versed in like the comics around this, but I mean, the next movie has to put Superman versus Darkseid and has to explore um, Superman being brainwashed, which happens um, where he becomes an emissary of Darkseid. Because I mean, like they already kind of touched on that with the fugue stake Superman. He's susceptible to it um, and he's terrifying when there's no one that can reason with him. And there are a couple of storylines that kind of deal with that. Um, Gods and Monsters is pretty great. 
if you want to watch that animated movie red sun which is on h which is also on hbo max is a lot of fun to watch uh but yeah i mean like the next movie is gonna it has to be him versus dark side like that is uh, that's one of the more interesting stories of super like the one of the like foundational stories of superman comics which is him being like brainwashed and doing all these terrible things and then coming to coming back to earth and having to reckon with it more of that emotional stuff i was talking about that we need more out of if we want good superman movies but what about the group dynamics stuff? what about the justice league group dynamic though like how is that relevance going forward <laughs> hmm well i mean like it's the, it's more or less the same thing that Marvel was doing. The thing is, like, also another thing about what I meant to say earlier about the relationship dynamic between the characters in Justice League versus the ones in Marvel is that the rollout of the DC universe was compressed versus, like, you know, the one for, like, Marvel. Yeah. So some of this stuff feels haphazard by necessity. Um, But, like, the group dynamic of justice league is just kind of like that i guess the end it would be the inverse of what you saw at the end of like the snyder cut where superman shows up to save like uh whomever from steppenwolf and it's just kind of like the same as like captain marvel showing up at the end of like it's just he's a deus ex machina and how good the team is when superman is around we're unstoppable we can defeat anything now we need to take that away and see what happens to the other characters. Okay. Okay. Because the, the only thing I think about going forward in terms of, okay, I'll watch, I'll watch the, the movies that follow from this, is that I don't want these characters to grow closer. I don't want them to be, I want there to continue to be static and negativity among them, even as they work together to defeat the existential threat. That is the thing that is so great about the Justice League animated series is that there is so much workplace drama. Like there's so much workplace drama and there needs to, if DC is going to succeed, they need to have more workplace drama. Like, you know, the same shit is like, uh, you know, Captain America and Tasha and Clint and whatever love triangle weird thing that they hint at in like Infinity War and Endgame, but never really like fully develop or commit to anything. And it's not like a fully developed side plot. That's the interesting stuff about like the DC universe is like they live, they love, they lose, they have children and they regret it. It's like a, it's, those are the, those are the fun, those are the good things about the DC universe. And hopefully, the next like uh, handful of films can really like explore that. Yeah, hopefully they can explain exactly. Thank you. Shut up. You just you know. I was you. You know I was speaking <laughs> facts. You know I was speaking facts. Micah, do you want to do five minutes on Attack on Titan epilogue for us? Just because like a lot of people have a lot of strong opinions, and that like again, we just had a nice conversation about Snyder Cut. This this part is for the anime fans from last week who want to hear us talk about Attack on Titan for a few more minutes. Whoop whoop. The the Titans have this weird like parallel. Basically, the Titans are the Jews, right? Like this is a sort of weird, problematic, strange. Well, thing I think about it's Attack probably like I think that or the L- explain should, this, okay, this so idea about the show. Because uh Hajime Isayama used so many historical signifiers. Um, that call attention to the plight of past persecuted peoples, the ghettoization of the Jewish people, the armbands of uh, the Marlins, the internment zones, 
all of this stuff, but also like the entire arc of a once great and terrible oppressed people made to pay for the sins of their forebears yeah. in perpetuity is something that a lot of people can like relate to a lot of like marginalized and not marginalized groups since there's there are a lot of like white people on 4chan that are just kind of like <laughs> oh god <laughs> yeah like, it's, I well, mean, i'm just yeah, saying it's real i mean yeah where it's just kind of like you know i think there was a really good piece about in the nation about how it's like the alt-right's favorite show and like you know if you are desperate to also be oppressed, you can find something in there to 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 feel, you know, like a certain level of solidarity with. But like because like the Satan fires are so like direct, and it's just kind of like, what else could this be? There's a there is a lot of like the critical I guess I wouldn't say the critical response. There's been like a response to it where it's just kind of like, will he ever like address the anti-Semitism of the show? And Isayama himself is uh, doesn't see the well refuses to see the show as like political, which you know good for you. But once it's out in the ether, it's open to interpretation. Yeah, totally. I'll say in terms of like our conversation and just frankly like how I reacted to the show when first watching it, I I I, I definitely recognize and understand what people are talking about when they are like, oh. Let's unpack the sort of weird Jewish parallels to and like the blood libel implications in um, the Titans. But I also just had this sense of like, and I, I think this might just be having watched anime for as long as I've watched it, right? Which is like, look, real rap. If you watch anime directors long enough, you will recognize that a lot of anime, a lot of anime, obscure and popular, have a lot of weird prejudices it's very weird prejudices like, specifically about um world war ii and about foreigners right well and because specifically like, about korea and china anime it, and manga yes. like itself like as an entire industry is a response to like well it's like it's a it's a, it's a post-war industry like you know we're um imagining something different and healing through this new art form is sort of like where it started out so, and I mean, like, it's, it's the same way with anything where it's like, there's a lot of, um, like it's, there's just like, there's a lot of like, say for instance, they didn't introduce, um, they introduced a black character in season four of Attack on Titan on Yakapone. And he gets like this one speaking part where literally Sasha asks him why he's black. Like, uh, <laughs> Yeah, like it's like it's it's no. like in Mean Girls, it's just like, oh my god, you can't just ask people why they're white. Like, I mean, it's but like the response he gives is not one of like annoyance. He's just kind of like, you know, our creator thought it might be more interesting if there was variety, and it's just dumb as hell. <laughs> like, it's just like you might as well leave that shit alone. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I mean, like, there are always these kind of weird cloying attempts at it, and like, it's just, like, yeah, it's like we were saying earlier. It's like there's just so many weird like prejudices that are buried in um I guess the stylistic choices that these shows make. Yeah. And 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 even just I don't know if you know anything about like how and that's not Japanese to say, schools teach history, right? Like it's, yeah, it's yeah, just like it's and that's just, not to say that, you know, you don't have a leg to stand on. It's just like, you know, okay. I, <laughs> no, 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 really, but it's like 
I, I was talking to my friend Eric Thurmer about it, and the point he raised is like, yeah, you know, the 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 pervasiveness is true. It's just it's notable with Attack on Titan, and people sort of think about it at an at another level because Attack on Titan is just so popular. It's right? yeah, it that's really, true. It is, it's, it's so such popular. a huge thing. That because other like otherwise you would just say like you know, um, yeah. I mean, like otherwise you could more or less just leave it at like you know. Yeah, and like I mean, it's just kind of weird like that. But yeah, the, the 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 global popularity just added a new wrinkle to the conversation. Yeah, it's just if you if you want to follow the thread of anime directors who have a lot of hot takes about uh, oh my xeno- xenophobia and World War Two and all issues adjacent to them. That's like that's a K hole you can go down. I mean, like, and honestly, that like it's there's all sorts of shit that like once you start paying attention to it, you notice yes. anywhere. Like the weird, yeah. like puritanical morality of most of like the uh shonen shows are like the, the the shows geared at like young people. Um there are like I mean, like for instance, like the fi- like Fire Force Dorogami, that's like shows that like are otherwise fun and very like westernized and People have cell phones and it's like it's quirky and it's um chirpy or whatever. But then it's just like, you know, you could go to hell if you don't return a library book at the proper time. Because it's still like a show for like for children in school, you know? Right. Yes. I just I always caution people to remember that as much as anime seems like this mainstreamed global globally beloved thing, you know, it's produced by a very particular culture that has its it, that has like I don't know a lot of directors who just are educated in a way that's just very different and have different very very different biases that that like than what an American director of animation would bring to the table in in making a show like Attack on Titan I'll put it like that yeah it almost feels like it's not like it wouldn't be out of the ordinary it's not out of the order I just don't feel that's out of the ordinary for a director to be like to have done something as provocative as having all of those signifiers around and then just being like, well, that's not what I was talking about. And then just leaving it there. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, because like really like with it himself, that is a viable answer. <laughs> yeah. Which is and none of this is to minimize anybody's reaction to the show and anybody's sense of bewilderment by the idea that, uh, the Jews are inspiration for like Jewish suffering is the inspiration for some of the Titan backstory. It's just to say that like, yeah, taking the politics, taking the politics of these shows seriously often can be a losing game. Yeah. It it really will drive you crazy after a point. Um, So that's my official take. I see where people are coming from, but yeah, that's all I got. And with that said, (laughs) if you would like to email us about this matter, I'm sure that that we will get plenty (laughs) of emails or about the Snyder Cut. We are soundonlypod at gmail.com. I'm Justin Cherry. And I'm Micah Peters. We'll see y'all next week. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. 
You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.